Welcome to episode 181 of the Actual Astronomy Podcast, our Christmas spectacular edition. Ooh. I'm Chris, and joining me is Shane. We are amateur astronomers who love looking up at the night sky, and this podcast is for anyone else who likes going out under the stars. So in this episode, we'll talk about our favorite observations of 2021 equipment, our future observing you know, plans and, and past failures and, and dreams for the future. So yeah. Shane, what do you think? Christmas special? Yeah. Well, you know, end of the year, I always like to do a recap um, of things that were good or bad or whatever in general. And uh, I like this as a topic for astronomy. It's nice to reflect back on the year that was and uh, yeah, just sort of see what, what, I guess maybe was learned or gained and then um, how that sets us up for next year a little bit. Yeah. Christmas and astronomy. Good COVID bad. All right, we'll move on. <laughs> so I actually thought that uh, my original idea was that we would do like a, a talk trash about telescopes kind of thing, but uh, I couldn't really get, get too much together on that. So anyway, yeah, when I saw that, I was like, I don't really know what he's going for. There. <laughs> Anyway, your, your idea was what's much, uh, much better. And, you know, the, then like recently when I was out, uh, you know, doing some astronomy, like on, on Friday evening, it had snowed a little bit and, uh, you know, it was kind of like observing out in winter wonderland there. So it was kind of, kind of neat. We also had a recent email from, uh, from our friend Larry over in, in Japan. And, uh, you know, while Santa has Comet and Vixen, uh, Larry was using uh, his Vixen to view Comet, uh, Leonard, that is. So uh, anyway, kind of got us into the Christmas spirit a little bit early there. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. And I'm excited because it's going to be a dark Christmas this year. <laughs> yes. Yes. No moon. Uh, no moon. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's pretty cool. Uh, hopefully we, uh, you know, are able to see whatever that sky provides. Um, our conditions haven't been too great lately, but hopefully it'll clear up. Yeah. Hopefully people shut their lights off because yeah, all, all the Christmas lights, what's up with that? No, I'm just kidding. Yeah. There's <laughs> yeah. a lot of them. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. People have some pretty bright lights. This is some pretty bright lights. I don't know what they were doing. They were shining these giant spotlights into the city. I don't know if it was at a sports stadium or something. I couldn't really figure out where it was in, in the city, but, uh, I could see them from, from way, way out on the, on the prairie. So yeah, there's, there's some pretty neat things to see right now coming, coming up, uh, in the Christmas season. You know, we've got about, you know, kind of sort of plus or minus about two weeks here where, you know, a lot of people are going to be on and off. Oddly enough, I'm working more. I worked on Saturday. I worked all day. So, so you were saying you're off on Friday and, and I, I taken some days off there the past couple of weeks, I guess, uh, making up for it now. So Anyway, towards the end of the, the Christmas season, you're going to be able to see uh, all eight planets in the evening sky. So there's something to do. Yeah, yeah. You don't get that lineup, uh, you know, all that regularly. So it's kind of a neat thing to take advantage of. Yeah, I mean, with with the Earth as well being one of those eight planets. And if, if you're out here where we observe, you know, the, the Earth comes up to meet the sky because it's, uh, yeah, it's pretty flat out there. It's, it's pancake kind of city. Yeah. Yeah. You see a lot of earth. That's for sure. Yeah. yeah. And I always think about telescopes even a lot more at this time of year and maybe even more than, than I otherwise would. I, I received my first telescope for Christmas when I was about six. Did you ever get a telescope for Christmas? No, no, I did not. Um, 
friend of mine had one at an early age. I don't recall how old we were. Um, but in my early formative years, I was just like, a I was like a sponge for information. So I would read a lot and just fantasize over uh, star charts. I, I like maps in general, but uh, star charts were super cool to me. Um, so, you know, my early astronomy days were actually not really looking up, but looking at uh, a lot of paper. Mm-hmm. Cool. Yeah. I, uh, yeah, I was, I was always interested in the stars because, uh, well, even, even from the town that I grew up in, um, probably pretty close to like, uh, maybe not quite magnitude six, but, uh, getting pretty close to that. Um, uh, when I was a kid, I mean, even now it's probably five and a half in, in the backyard, right. Where, where I, you know, spent a lot of time with my first telescopes. But, um, when I was six, my, my uncle gave me a little, um, refractor, like not, not even like a decent, you know, quality task. I'm pretty sure probably had a plastic lens and everything in it. Um, but I was pretty excited and it had like a little wobbly, you know, like 10 inch high kind of plastic leg tripod that attached physically to the telescope tube. And I was pretty excited. And I, I plunked that down on a coffee table and they like, you know, went next door to, to a neighbors, um, to hang out or whatever. And, you know, we turned off all the lights in the, uh, in, in their house and, uh, stuck it in the window. And I looked out and I looked at Sirius and I was pretty sure that, I would be seeing like aliens and spaceships and all kinds of stuff zooming around. I had all these, I remember this like so vividly because um, what, what, what imprinted on me was not what I saw, but what I didn't see, which was um, basically I, I just saw that, you know, the star looked brighter and uh, didn't really look any different. You didn't see it as, as a circle and you certainly didn't see any planets and, and no aliens sort of zooming around it either. And I was, I was incredibly disappointed in this, this experience. I remember. (laughs) Right on. So it's one of those things, but uh, anyway, then like a dozen or so years later, I, I uh, just after came back from, from England and, and had, had met some of the folks from the BAA, um, uh, a girlfriend of mine had bought a pair of binoculars for me and, uh, and the backyard astronomer's guide for Christmas and I don't know whether it was my previous experience or w- what I had in my mind, but again, I was, I was very disappointed. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You have these expectations of like, you know, the images that you see really in magazines and it, uh, you know, it can be a little offsetting the first time. <laughs> yeah, no, no, exactly. I, I think though, it was more like the physical presence of getting a binocular and being told to use these for astronomy. It's, it's kind of like, you know, your parents telling, you know, telling you when you turn 16, they're going to buy you a new set of wheels and you have it in your head that you're going to get a car and they give you like a unicycle, you know? And <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Sort of like that, that, that maybe would bring it sort of down, down to earth for people. Right. That's kind of how I felt. Um, but you know, it actually was, was pretty good. And I actually wore those binoculars out. You could, you can see through them. I still had them. You can, you can see into them and see how binoculars work now because all the, all the plastic has uh, become uh, pretty rough and uh, brittle. And so kind of has broken apart in places. You can like look right into those binoculars now. So, so anyhow, have you received many astronomy Christmas presents over the years, Shane? Uh, trying to think. No, no, not Christmas gifts. Um, unless you count the ones that I just buy for myself, but um, no, some anniversary gifts and things like that, but nothing for Christmas. I don't believe. Nope. 
yeah. I got my the first. I think the first Christmas present my my wife gave me um, was uh, Ruckel's Moon Atlas. Oh, yeah, very nice. Yeah, that was really good. It was. I think it was thirty four dollars, and within about two years, it was worth about three hundred and forty dollars. I was like, oh, I should have bought more. Yeah, but I think it went up a lot. I think it's been like reissued and re-released. Uh, another year, she bought me a copy of The Immortal Fire Within, which is the uh, biography of E.E. Uh, e. Barnard. Um, yeah, she's bought me a whole ton of mostly books over the years. And then and then recently, she bought me the Pentax XW this year for Christmas, which uh, yeah, I've already used like once or twice. Pretty uh, pretty neat. I just had the box sitting here. And uh, yeah, so I've, I've had a had a few things, but uh yeah, as far as uh, your favorite gear from from twenty twenty one, Shane, what uh, what what have you enjoyed using and looking through uh, from the past year? Um, so for me, I guess it would be uh, oh, uh, probably the Bino viewers. What I've listed here um, that um, that's my second or third third time i think with a bino viewer but my first real serious time using it uh, the first time i don't count at all the second time um i you know i didn't give it enough of a, a go but anyway uh i've really enjoyed it uh this past year just the the level of comfort that it introduces to observing is unmatched by anything else um and the fact that you can just sit at the eyepiece and not really have to like give your eye a rest um, is incredible. It uh, it's it's just such a more immersive uh, way to observe. I really really enjoyed it, and I'm planning to use it a lot more extensively uh, in 2022. Um, and you know, just uh, in a variety of different telescopes as well to see how it operates and. You know, the, the thing that it's kind of led me to question a little bit, and I mentioned this when uh, Mark Radici was on uh, last week, is that it's got me thinking a little bit about a bino telescope, um, because that would be kind of the ultimate uh, way to do observing with two eyes. Um, so anyway, I've really enjoyed that. Um, uh, but a close second was my uh, APM 30 millimeter UFF eyepiece. Um, it's, it's just such a good eyepiece. And it's Again, it's one of these eyepieces that's super easy to use. It's super comfortable, uh, an amazing flat field right to the edge. And it's not, it's not like a super wide field. I think it's 70 degrees or something like that. Um, but it's quite enjoyable. I really like that eyepiece a lot. It's quite light and, uh, it, it's been really fun to just pan through the sky with that thing. Um, so yeah, I guess those would probably be my top two. Um, maybe some honorable mentions to my uh, 50 millimeter uh, Borg FL telescope. Um, it's such a beautiful little telescope and uh, provides such a, a great image. That's been a lot of fun to use uh, as well throughout the year. Oh, uh, how about yourself? What's uh, your favorite piece of gear from 2021? Yeah, I think, uh, well, I haven't had the the Pentax 5 out enough really to to put that in, in this year's mix, but I think that Massey am a 32 millimeter, which, which was the eyepiece, which I had kind of longed for, for so long, which I don't know why I didn't get it sooner because it's like, even really like that expensive as far as eyepieces go. Um, but it just has this, this beautiful sharp, um, at least in, in longer focal length refractors, um, field of view and, and huge light throughput, um, and it's, it's very, very comfortable and easy to look through. 
So it's, it's like about an 80 degree field of UI piece. And, uh, I, I think it might have a little bit more power than 32 millimeters should provide, but, um, Anyway, it's it's just a really, really neat eyepiece. I like the way it looks. Not that that should matter too much, but I think it looks really nice. I think the price was pretty affordable. It's like around $300 American. And then, uh, and then, yeah, it works really well in all my scopes. And for such a low power wide field eyepiece, it's it's very light. And, uh, and I've been really, really impressed with the, uh, the wide field uh, images and, and how sharp they are. Yeah, it's not totally sharp on the edge, especially like in my uh, mini Borg um, which is F5, uh, 50 millimeter refractor. Um, but you know, it, it is what it is. It's a super wide field, reasonably inexpensive eyepiece that, uh, you know, that that's lightweight and I can, you know, trade around. It works well in all my scopes. So, so it's a real, it's a real tool, right? Like it's, it can just be used uh, interchangeably with everything. And, and that's super, super useful. Yeah, no, that's really cool. That's an eyepiece I still want to uh, look through. It's always been on my list as well um, yeah. as a eyepiece of interest. So I'm, yeah, I'm excited to see what that one's all about. Yeah, it'd be nice to do a do a comparison. And uh, yeah, the mini Borg. I think I I, I got to say, not that I think I, I definitely enjoyed that tiny little scope way way more than I thought I would. It took me a bit to get used to it, um, like three or four sessions to really get into it because it's so small, it balances a little bit oddly. And the way you have to move it is definitely different than moving any other telescope I've ever owned, um, just because it, it's just so short. Um, but, uh, but for, for a telescope that can give you basically 10 degree true field of view, which is pretty much wider than just about anything else out there. Um, that's really quite astounding. You know, it's pretty amazing to have this, this just massive, massive wide field of view, and then uh, the ability to then switch eyepieces. And, uh, you know, I, I, I didn't think I would do this as much as I do, like using my um, like Pentax three and a half millimeter in it and other eyepieces that are pretty high power um, for when the planets are up. Because although it's, it's an Acromat and it's F5 um, and not really designed for that, it actually, you know, performs pretty well. So the views, um, you know, th- through, through it on planets... Uh, kind of has surprised me uh, quite a bit, quite a bit as well. But uh, yeah, just kind of wondering, where does your 50 millimeter FL Borg fluorite uh, fit in all this? Um, it's it's wonderful. Um, you know, I I think it's a little easier to use because of the the focal length. Um, yeah. Like you mentioned, the movement is weird with the mini Borg, and it is because it is the size of a finder. It's really small. Um, and if you are using two inch eyepieces in that thing, then it's even more ridiculous. Um, but like you said, then you have this beautiful wide field and, um, you know, it is well corrected. In fact, you know, that little telescope is almost like, uh, I think somebody may have wrote in and, and mentioned this in an email, but it's like, uh, it's almost like a star chart telescope, you know, like it, yeah. it sort of provides a view of what you would see in the pocket sky Atlas almost. Um, yeah. and that's super cool. Now, how the uh, the FL stacks up, you know, it's not as wide of a field, but it is such a crisp little telescope, and you know, the lightweightness of it just makes it a joy to use. Um, I love it, um, and you know, because it's a little bit of a longer focal length too, I just think it's more uh, more proper to use that in inch and a quarter mode 
Um, you know, you still get, I think close to a four or four and a half degree field of view, if I'm not mistaken with a 24 millimeter panoptic. Yep. Um, so you're still getting a substantial field and it's just in this beautiful little package. So I, I quite like it a lot. Um, it's, uh, it's probably a telescope that I'll, uh, I'll use a lot, um, uh, going forward, especially, you know, just due to the portability and how I can pack it up, uh, with the mount, with the tripod, with everything and just go real quick. Yeah. Yeah. I would love to get that, that same scope and then buy the, buy the, uh, reducer for it and, uh, you know, kind of go all in on, on that little 50 millimeter range. I, I think that is, uh, that, that would be just, just the ultimate, Hey, you could get two sets of those and make your binoscope. <laughs> Maybe, you know, I, I, I'm kind of thinking again about that. I, I you know, that's why I had too many Borgs is because I was going to make a, a binoscope <clears throat> and then I sold one of them to you um, just because I, I didn't think I would really want to go down that path. But now that I've, you know, amassed a, uh, an eyepiece collection for bino viewing, I've overcome one of the major hurdles of binoscoping. Um, so yeah, you know, I think, I think I probably could set something up here, but I don't know, it would take a, uh, a lot of money, uh, just to have a 50 millimeter binoscope. And I think, you know, if I'm going to go down the binoscope path, I want it to be of a fairly substantial aperture, like probably about 120 millimeter, mm. um, and ideally 150, but that's getting quite large and, and quite expensive. So I'm not sure that that'll become a reality. Um, but yeah, I think if I, like I say, if I go binoscoping, it'll be a bigger aperture. Yeah. yeah I can see that. Yeah. I, I always thought that'd be really cool and something that I would do eventually, but, uh, yeah. Every time I start wading into those waters and, and start, uh, like no one thing is cost prohibitive, but the whole thing is cost prohibitive if you ask me. So, yeah. Yeah. yeah it's pretty hard to just do that. I think if that's something you want, you have to, uh, kind of have a bit of a long-term plan to get there. Yeah. Um, and like I said, I've got the eyepiece part of it out of the way. Like I've got, um, I've got doubles of, uh, like a 24 millimeter panoptic for, you know, the wide field viewing, um, I've got the 13 millimeter Naglers for sort of mid range, uh, wide field. Uh, and then I have eight and a half millimeter Pentex XF, which aren't exactly wide field at, I don't know what they are, 62 or 65 degrees, something like that. Mm -hmm. Um, but they're wide enough, um, you know, for, you know, decent high powered wide field views. Um, and then, you know, I've got a lot of minimum glass, uh, pairs as well. If I want to get into some real kind of, uh, um, I don't know, real fine viewing of high contrast. I can do that too. So anyway, that's all out of the way. Um, so then there's the, you know, the future cost, if I go down this path of the binoscope itself, but also, um, I don't think any of the mounts I have would be able to, uh, handle a binoscope. So, you know, you're looking at a new mount as well, and, uh, those are not insignificant for a binoscope. So, no. Um, we'll see. Um, I think I might make some kind of a move in 2022. Um, now I'm not sure if it'll be a binoscope. So the, the two things I'm weighing, uh, a binoscope B, uh, could be like 150 millimeter, uh, refractor, likely an acromat of some kind. And, uh, just not sure which path I want to go down yet. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Oh cool. yeah. 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 All right. So, uh, what were your favorite views through all this, uh, crazy gear in, uh, in 2021? <laughs> uh, 
Well, the, the view that I picked, my favorite observation um, is not, it might catch a few people by surprise because it doesn't involve uh, any of the gear I mentioned and it doesn't even involve the night sky. <laughs> it's, uh, it was of the sun in hydrogen alpha uh, through my little uh, 35 millimeter lunt. And it was, uh, it was a prominence. You get these prominence, like uh, it's, it's almost like two prominences that kind of uh, like form a corkscrew almost together, uh, like a twisting prominence. And I've seen pictures of them, but I've never seen one visually before. And uh, over the summer, one appeared and it was just, uh, again, the scene was really nice. It was just a beautiful view and it was kind of fleeting. It, um, it didn't last too long. Like after about an hour, it had lost some of its form already. Um, but anyway, during that time, I enjoyed, uh, I enjoyed the observation and I spent a lot of time at the eyepiece, which is, it's kind of strange for me actually to do that because the way I typically observe in hydrogen alpha is I will have a, a view of maybe five to 10 minutes in duration. And then I park it and I go do things around the house. And then I come back an hour or two later and I have another view to see how it's evolved. Uh, but when I saw this twisting prominence, I, uh, like I probably sat at the eyepiece for close to an hour, just observing it and, and how it changed. Um, so anyway, that was my number one. Um, how about you? What was your favorite observation of the year? Well, I have to say, I don't like observing in hydrogen alpha because I have to go take a meteor shower afterwards to get cleaned up. Anyway, oh, uh, <laughs> so yeah, I, I had a few things, you know, like, like none of these really, I mean, you know, sort of stand out as the number one thing, but, um, you know, getting back down to the grasslands for, uh, two trips back to back, uh, and doing some, uh, you know, uh, uh, DSP, like dark sky preserve outreach, uh, in, in the grasslands national park with park staff, um, was really great. And we had, um, really good and clear skies, um, at least one night at both locations, which was remarkable considering how crappy and smoky the skies were in general around that time, but mm -hmm. sort of surrounding that time we had, uh, we had good clear skies, uh, down there, which, uh, which was really awesome. And then, um, you know, kind of midweek and, and even before that, uh, being able to start, uh, observing at, uh, you know, at, at my dark sky place, um, that I got this year, which, which was super, uh, exciting. Um, and, uh, and, you know, and the, the mass EMA 32 and, and having, uh, my dark sight led to, uh, having a really amazing observation of Messier 31, the Andromeda galaxy through Mike's uh, 12 inch, uh, one night out there that was, uh, like etched in my mind. That's, that's probably among the most memorable things that I, that I looked at this year, which, which might seem really, um, kind of standard, you know, in a way like really, you know, uh, basic, but, uh, uh, you know, uh, most people find messy 31, the Andromeda galaxy is one of the few things they, they look at. It's sort of something I've looked at, you know, oh my goodness, thousands of times I must've looked at the Andromeda galaxy now anyway. And, uh, but, but, you know, seeing it really wide field and Mike scope, um, with that mass EMA, because I think, think the one thing I didn't think that eyepiece would work very well in a reflector. And so my expectations were set extremely low. And then as well, um, I had noticed that it had really good light throughput, but when you, um, when we dropped it in the, the 12 inch, um, which really gathers a lot of light, it, it almost was like, you know, extending that telescope by, 
another two or three inches. It was pretty surprising. We were both pretty shocked uh, at the view that we had of some pretty fine details in the uh, in the dark lanes uh, in M M thirty one, the Messier or the uh, Messier thirty one, the Andromeda Galaxy. Su- super cool. But also, you know, um, some of the other stuff was uh, like just watching that lunar eclipse with. Uh, you know, with, with uh, my, uh, I think I had my Takahashi, my 60 out that night. Um, maybe it was my Borg mini. It was one or the other. Um, and then just kind of like using all that gear. Like I really, I've really been using a lot of my stuff. Like, you know, my, my wife is, I'm sure your wife says, Sheen, like, do you really need all these telescopes? You may have heard this before. Well, I question it sometimes if I need all these telescopes because it it is a lot. But uh, you know, I I do use them all at different times, so I uh, I can justify it. Yeah, like like in the past in in the past uh, six weeks, I've had my my you know hundred dollar SD eighty out two or three times. I've had my sixty millimeter um, tack out um, three or four times. I've had my um, hundred millimeter tack out three times. Um, you know, and, and the mini Borg out, uh, two or three times. So, you know, all these telescopes are, are seeing probably, uh, you know, uh, at least an average amount of, of use, you know, they're all getting out quite a bit, you know, sometimes, sometimes I throw them in the car and I go observing and, you know, once or twice it was too cold to set them up, but I took them out. I took my binoculars, just a binocular observing. Um, but they went with me and, and more often than not, though, I've been setting them up. Like I set the 60 up on Friday night, even when it was so cold, because, you know, that, that telescope was just the scope that was going to work best that night. You know, it was going to be too cold to set up anything bigger. So I took my smallest uh, scope or one of my smaller scopes. Yeah. And, you know, just back to your comment about using the uh, Masuyuma in Mike's telescope, looking at M31, something you've looked at many, many times. Mm. Um, This is one of the reasons why I like to try different gear out, you know, buy an eyepiece, uh, if you like it, cool, you keep it. If you don't like it, maybe you sell it, uh, trying different telescopes because, um, all of this stuff, you know, when you, when you take these variables and substitute in different pieces, will present the sky differently. Mm. And sometimes you'll discover like maybe your Masuyama all of a sudden is like going to unveil, you know, uh, images of things that you never really saw before. You know, maybe yeah. you're seeing detail in objects that wasn't there previously. And, and that's a game changer, you know, for me. So that's why I love trying this different stuff. Um, you know, life is short, so you want the best views possible when you're out there. And, um, you know, it's fun to, it's fun to mess around and, and see, you know, what really works well for you. And, and when you find something, it's just like, you want to reobserve everything you've ever looked at again, Yeah. <laughs> because, uh, you're like, what have I been missing? You know, and what, yeah. what can I see now as a result? Yeah. Yeah. No, no, exactly. Um, and the other, the other thing, the last thing was uh, comment Leonard. I I've enjoyed that as, as much of, uh, a, a looking at Comet Leonard experience as the adventure of trying to see it by, uh, by getting up in the morning and, and kind of going out in the evening the other night, even though, even though on, you know, I, I think I've been out four or five times to see it and I've seen it twice. So I'm not even batting 50, 50 on this one. Um, but just, just, you know, the adventure and the trying to see it, you know, and I think that's, that's one of those uh, things that I think uh, either, you know, it's a type of person that's going to enjoy doing astronomy or, or, you know, maybe it's something that the people learn after a while, but it's, it's the going out and, and sort of the experiencing of, 
the night sky and being in the presence of the original articles of, of those planets and not just looking at, um, you know, something uh, online, but uh, interacting with it in some way, you know, whether we're going out and hunting them up ourselves or, or, or like Alan Dyer was recently, you know, trying to take some photos of it, um, you know, and going out and interacting with the universe and, uh, and doing these activities, I think is, is really, really a lot of fun. So even if, even if I don't see it, like, even though Friday was a total failure, I think, I think it makes, makes for some light entertainment for, for you and our listeners. Um, and then as well, kind of gets me, you know, better prepared for my next session. Um, even though if I, if I don't get to see Comet Leonard, it's, it's still not a waste. I'll, I'll carry forward, you know, some of the stuff that, that I'm kind of learning to, uh, to adapt to, to the cold a little bit better. And, uh, you know, maybe even getting a little bit more observing in this winter because of it. So, uh, yeah, yeah. Kind of neat stuff. Yeah, for sure. For sure. And, um, yeah, these, these little instruments are just ideal for the cold weather. So it, it just, uh, yeah, it's a different way to observe and it's, you know, it's, again, it's just fun to try different stuff. Yeah. So how about, uh, 2022, any, any big observing plans, anything exciting on the proverbial, horizon or event horizon, maybe in this case? Well, so the only one really on my radar right now is, uh, the Sirius B observation, which we talked about in the last podcast. Um, you know, I want to, uh, try to get that again. Uh, I failed last year. Um, so that's high on the list, but outside of that, I really haven't given it a lot of thought. Um, I'm not too sure what I want to observe. Um, you know, there's always going to be the planets like Mars is uh, going to be at opposition, I think in December next yeah. year. So, yeah. um, you know, that, you know, that always becomes a priority whenever Mars comes uh, to opposition every two years. So, um, towards the tail end, um, I did a brief look at comets. It looks like there's a mag six comet, um, in the summertime. And I think like visible all night for us, I think it'll be a little higher up in the sky. Huh. So, you know, that always kind of intrigues me a little bit. Um, so we'll have to keep our eye on that. Um, but then it's probably just a continuation of what I've been working on for a little while. So, you know, I want to continue uh, working on the RASC uh, double star observing list. I kind mm -hmm. of parked that and got away from it. I want to return. Um, I want to keep uh, uh, observing um, hidden treasures by Omira. Uh, mm -hmm. Just see what I can see with those ones. Um, and I want to, I want to make a bigger focus, uh, pun not intended. It just happened, but <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but I want to spend more time on the moon. Um, I really do neglect it and I have to stop. So I want to, uh, I want to observe more lunar stuff. Yes. Yes. You know why the restaurant failed on the moon though, right? Uh, I because don't even know if I want to know actually. <laughs> Because it had absolutely no atmosphere. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That would add up. It would. It would. Yeah. I. You know. I'm. I'm looking forward to uh, trying to get some Mercury observations in here at the start of the year. You know, uh, January seventh, we have greatest eastern elongation, meaning that Mercury is going to be well visible in the evening sky. I've got my sight all picked out. I was trying to pull it out of the twilight the other night. I didn't get it. Um, but again, like. Uh, the, this uh, failed comet uh, Leonard observation um, is well worth uh, well worth my while, I think, because I'm kind of getting a spot nailed down where I'm going to be able to make some great Mercury observations in the evening as well as in the morning sky. 
Um, if I don't get it from my yard, cause I can actually see mercury from my backyard so I can go and set up, um, and, uh, and go in, get warm and then, uh, go out, make some mercury observations and then come in and have breakfast. Or actually, I mean, it's, it's dark so late right now that I can have breakfast and then observe mercury half the morning before the sun comes up. It seems so, um, yeah, I'm really looking forward to that. So we got the, uh, Eastern elongation on January 7th and then greatest Western, uh, elongation in the morning on February 16th. Um, so I'm looking forward to, to those two events. Um, as well, we have sort of a bit of a redo or redo, um, November 8th, we have, uh, that lunar eclipse coming out. This is a, a full lunar eclipse. We get the whole thing visible here though. I think, um, it's going to be fairly late at night. So we're going to be, I think, I think it's late at night anyway. Anyway, we get to see the whole thing. So it's going to be a lot of the night. Um, so that, that should be, uh, hopefully something that we're able to see. And then like you, uh, the Mars, uh, opposition on, on December 8th, just a month later, um, you know, might, might be worthwhile trying to get south if we can get this, uh, pandemic a little bit further behind us. And, and certainly I, I hope we do, although I was really hoping, um, for, for better Christmas this year than it seems that we're going to get, but uh, hopefully for next year, um, but how we get around to this time, we'll, uh, we'll be, uh, uh, sitting on a, on a beach in Texas or something, uh, looking at uh, the Myers opposition. I, I don't know, but I'm just kidding. Yeah, I think that'd be awesome. Or uh, go to the winter star party in Florida. Uh, I think that would be fun. So yeah, you know, we'll see what happens with the pandemic, but I would love to do some traveling for astronomy for sure. Yeah. How about for the podcast? We're going to have a podcast chat here, I think, over the holidays. I'm looking forward to that. Get some ideas cooking. Yeah. Yeah. We uh, will see what we can do uh, to enhance it a little bit. And we are nearing that 100,000 uh, listen mark here real soon. So that'll yep. be pretty cool too. Yeah, I think we're hoping we, we've done 100,000. We'll, we'll do 100,000 listens um, almost guaranteed by the time we hit our 21st month. But I think we're hoping to do like 100,000 listens uh, in, in 2022. I think we're hoping to kind of double what we've done uh, so far. And I, I think we're like getting pretty close on, on track. We're, we're sometimes above 2000 listens a week. And sometimes we're just below it. I think we're at, like you said, I think it was like 1900 and, and something uh, when we were chatting earlier. Yeah. 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 We're pretty consistent on that 2000 a week mark, which is awesome. Yeah. I'm quite, yeah, so, quite happy with that. Yeah. And uh, yeah. Thanks everybody for listening because that's where the listeners come in. We, we really don't have much influence over that other than, than making sure we put these out and try to make them reasonably entertaining and, and uh, fun to listen to. Um, yeah. And then we're, we're slowly marching towards getting uh, bumped up uh, because of the number of followers, again, based on uh, people who follow us. So please follow us, subscribe to your podcatching software um, because that actually um allows more people to find us. So the more people that listen, the more people that subscribe, the higher up we go. So right now we're kind of getting towards sort of like what I call like the top of the third tier. We're kind of like a third, third rate astronomy podcast right now. And we're, we're, you know, we've got a little ways to go to get sort of up to that next level. But I notice sometimes when I do search um, in Google that, uh, that we do appear, but I don't know if it's because, you know, um, Google just, just knows that I'm, you know, often looking at the astronomy, actual astronomy podcasts, but, uh, but anyway, it seems, seems like we're slowly making our way up there. So that's exciting too. Yeah, it is. Yeah. It's awesome. Yeah. We have the 200th episode we'll record in the winter. So I think sometime this winter right now it's on track to be sort of around the end of February, I think, give or take. Um, yeah. So, but, yeah. yeah, that's exciting. 
Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Well, uh, maybe we should have uh, morning champagne. Morning champagne. <laughs> I'm joking. I really, no offense. I really don't care for champagne, you know, for those in the, in that region of France, my apologies. I, I know it's, it's quite beautiful over there. I've been, but I'm not a champagne drinker. And I'm, I'm just like such a simple person. Like, honestly, I just like a, like a, like a decent, you know, gluten-free person. I drink decent gluten-free beer and, uh, I'm pretty happy to, to drink that and have a bowl of chips. <laughs> just like so simple. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not too far off. Um, I, I do enjoy a, a nice cold beer. Have you ever had a cuvee? Uh, never had a cuvee. Yeah, I do. I don't mind those, but anyway, we're going off track here. <laughs> sounds, it sounds a little fancy for my taste, but, uh, anyway, maybe, maybe I'll try it sometime, but, uh, but yeah, yeah, it should be good. And, uh, yeah, once we get into April, we'll be into our third, our third year of doing this, this podcast called actual astronomy. So that's, uh, that's pretty exciting too. Yeah. Yeah. Still going strong. Yeah. Yeah. It should be good. Yeah. It's been, been a lot of fun and, uh, yeah, I'd love, uh, love hearing from people. We're certainly getting lots of emails. I've, I've been hearing from lots of, uh, folks, uh, both, both new listeners and, uh, and long-term listeners, uh, alike. And, uh, you, you've been busy. So, so the story here is that Shane has been a bit busier at work than usual. Um, my work will get busier during the winter. Hopefully Shane will, will be able to come back in a little more and, and, uh, and answer some of those at that time. And, uh, so I've been answering more of, more of the emails than usual and, uh, hope that's been okay with people. And, uh, but yeah, it's, it's been really, um, quite amazing just to hear from so many different people and, uh, and hear what different people are up to notice we're having a few more like astro imagers, um, listening. And, uh, so that was a bit of a surprise to me. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's great to hear that from folks and to hear what people are, are, are doing for astronomy and what interests them in what we're doing. And then we can try to, uh, form, um, this podcast, uh, around what, what the listeners are interested in. We just do this for fun folks. So, you know, it's, uh, it's, it's all for what people are interested in and what we're, we're interested in as well. So that's where yeah. we're going with it. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So anything to add to, uh, to this, uh, our, our Christmas spectacular uh, podcast, Shane? No, that's all I have, Chris. All right. Well, I hope that you'll log Lots of great observations in 2022, Shane. Uh, you were waiting the whole episode for that one. Weren't you? I woke up this morning and I thought, <laughs> I've got it. I've got my one this year. All right. So thanks to you and thanks everybody else for listening. Be sure to subscribe to your podcatching software. And we're always excited to get emails from listeners. So please write to us. Thanks so much for listening. Bye-bye. Thank you everyone for listening. And we hope you enjoyed the show. If you are interested in more information, would like to contact us, or if you would like to support the podcast, check out our website, actualastronomy.com. <laughs>